Happy Mother's Day again. Uh, I had mixed feelings about Mother's Day as a child growing up. I, we had a number of traditions in our family, and one tradition I really liked was that my dad would always take our family out for dinner on Mother's Day so that my mom didn't have to cook. And my brother and I and my dad were big eaters, and so we would go out to a buffet bar, and they had, a, they had the, the soft-serve ice cream, so I would get as much as I wanted. So that was, a, that was pretty much a child's dream, to just be there and eat ice cream as much as I... My parents would let me have as much as I wanted. But to get to that point, I had to go through a number of, of other traditions I didn't enjoy quite as well. On Saturday night, my dad would take my brother and I, and we would go buy a corsage for my mother. And I don't know if that's, it's not really a tradition here, but in the Midwest, that's a pretty big deal. At least it used to be. You'd want to get a nice big corsage. Not too big. You don't want it to look too gaudy, but you, you want it to look good. And so we would go out and look for a corsage for my mom, and I never really understood why we needed to buy her a corsage. Um, I, I mean, flowers are nice and all, but, you know, they're going to die after a few days. So why not buy her a CD or a baseball card or something, you know, that's going to last? But it's like, whatever, you know, I'm a 10-year-old, 8-year-old. Okay, let's buy her the flowers. So we would. But the worst part was Sunday morning, getting up. And my mom would put on her best dress, and that's fine. She can dress however she wants. And I'd put on my my jeans and my T-shirt, and she'd say, nope, nope, not today. And I'd have to go back and get this, like, button shirt with long sleeves and sometimes a little bow tie and she would slick my hair down. I had these crazy colics that just wouldn't go down, so she'd be culminate and culminate. And, and they still wouldn't go down. They'd pop back up. And then on the way to church, she'd be like leaning in the, looking back in the back seat and doing this. Like, like trying to clean my face. So gross. And then we would get there, and people, of course, would come over and say, Oh, happy Mother's Day, Harriet. And they'd be smiling. And she would just be beaming. I mean, this was her highlight, her, her highest point of the year, probably. She's just beaming, and she's got my brother and I under her arms, and she's like, oh, I'm so proud to have these sons. And people are like, oh, and they're good boys, and they're pinching my cheeks. And, and I'm looking out the windows, and I see this grassy yard where my friends are playing football, and I'm just thinking, man, if I could just make a quick getaway. And then I never worked out on Mother's Day, though. I had to stay the whole service with my mom by her side to, to let her live it up. But I think... Her response is natural for a mother. There's a mother's heart that wants to take pride in her children, that, that finds joy and pride and a sense of identity in raising good kids. And we see that in our passage today, in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 27. So turn there with me, Luke chapter 11, verse 27. Luke eleven twenty seven. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Now, I, as I was thinking about this passage this past week, I, I realized I have never, ever heard this passage preached before. It's, it's, as far as I can remember. I've never heard this passage preached. And I actually looked online at some other pastors and sermons that they, they put up, and I found only one pastor who's ever preached on that, and that's John MacArthur, naturally. But no one else has ever, ever preached on this passage that I could see. I'm, it's not a common passage. 
And I, think, I can think of two reasons for this. I was trying to think, why? Why don't people preach on this? And one reason, in the Greek and in a lot of English translations, it says literally, blessed is the mother who gave you birth, and, and blessed are the breasts that nursed you. And so probably a lot of pastors are like, oh, I don't really want to say the word breast, so I'm just going <laughs> to skip over, skip over that passage. But there may be a more reasonable explanation, and that is that this just doesn't seem like a very important passage. It really doesn't. It's a very, it's kind of a random passage at, at the end of a section that seems very odd to us. It's a section where Jesus talks about demons. And in the West, in America, demons seems kind of, doesn't seem to apply to us, and so we tend to kind of skim over that. And then we, at the end of that section on demons, we get to this section about breasts, and we're like, oh, okay, and we just kind of keep going. And it's just kind of weird. And we don't think, like, it just doesn't feel very important. But as I was looking at this passage uh, actually, a couple years ago, I was reading this during my devotions, and I, something struck me, and I realized that there is something really important here. And I don't think that this would have been included in Luke's gospel. I don't think this would have been included by Jesus' male disciples. I think it probably came from some of Jesus' female followers. And the reason I think that is Luke, he was not an original disciple of Jesus. Luke was a Gentile doctor who became a Christian through Paul's ministry and began to travel around with Paul as a co-minister with Paul, doing evangelism and missions. And when Paul got arrested and put under house arrest in Rome, uh, Luke decided at that point that he wanted to write a book about their adventures. And so he, wanted, he was going to call it, and it became called The Acts of the Apostles. We know it as Acts. But as he decided to write this, he realized really he should write a prequel. Because the Acts of the Apostles follows after Jesus' ministry. And so he decides he needs to write a book on the life of Jesus first, and then follow it with the ministry of the Apostles and Paul. And so to do that, because he wasn't uh, an original disciple, church tradition says that he went back to Palestine in, in Antioch, and he begins to, to interview the disciples and interview different followers of Jesus. And naturally, he would have talked to the male disciples. But there's good evidence, as we study Luke, that he also found some female followers of Jesus. For example, the, the, pars, the passage on Jesus's childhood is the longest of any of the Gospels. And there are other sections in here where he really emphasizes marginalized people, especially women. And so I think there's good reason to think that he found some of Jesus's women followers, probably Jesus's mother, but others as well, and talked to them. And so I think that this is something that the male disciples, not that they forgot it, but they there was a lot of material from Jesus' life that had to be included. And in the Gospel of John, John actually says, hey, if I tried to write everything about Jesus, there's no way I could, I could have done it. I would have just wrote all these books, and I still wouldn't have included everything about Jesus' life. And so these disciples had to kind of pick and choose important sections from Jesus' life. And I don't think for a male disciple, this section would have stood out. But I think for a female disciple, it definitely would have resonated. Because I think it would have resonated with mothers especially, in the first century. In the first century, mothers did not have jobs outside of the home. They did not go out and get other employment. Their identity came, in, came from being a wife and a mother, a wife, a good host, but even more, a mother. Crank out the kids and raise them well. That's where your identity came from as a Jewish woman in the first century, and that is how you measured yourself. Could you have kids? Could you have lots of kids? And did they grow up to be good Jews who brought honor to their family? That's how you measured yourself. That's where your identity came from. And so this mother comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, your mom is so blessed to have a son like you. 
She is the mother of the Messiah. All the hopes and dreams that she had for you when she gave you birth and when she held you in in, in her arms and she nursed you and she was praying over you and she was dreaming about your future. All of those hopes and dreams have come true. Every one of them. Probably beyond her wildest dreams. You are the perfect child. You're the Messiah. And when people honor you, they are going to remember and honor her. And I don't want to read too much into this, but I can almost feel a sense of fear or sadness in her words. It's almost as if she's thinking, I I hope my children turn out well, too. Or, I wish my children had turned out better. Or, I wish I simply had children, because then I would be blessed, too. And even though this woman lived 2,000 years ago, I think mothers today can relate to her feelings and to this sentiment. Actually, all parents and grandparents can to some extent, but I think especially for mothers. We all want our kids to turn out well. We all want our grandkids to turn out well, but it's especially poignant for a mother's heart because it has such a powerful effect on a mother's identity, how her kids turn out. Even more, I think, than a father's. There's something about a woman's heart that wants to see her kids turn out well. And there are mothers here whose children have not turned out as well as you'd hoped. Not because of their careers or their bank accounts, but their moral character. They've made very poor choices and they're becoming the kind of person you don't want them to be. And it grieves you and it leaves you feeling hopeless because it feels like your joy somehow depends on your child's choices. And if your child makes bad choices, then there's no hope for your joy. And there are other mothers here who have young children and you fear how your children will turn out someday. You fear the destruction of of your happiness if your child were to turn away from God and make bad choices. And so even your your most intimate, special moments with your kids are haunted by this nagging subconscious fear that someday all this will end and your hopes will be dashed and your joy will be destroyed. And there are mothers here, women here, who have chosen not to have kids or who are unable to have children. In days like Mother's Day, cause you to question your identity, to wonder, am I somehow less of a woman because I don't have kids? And that's why Jesus' response here is so relevant to women today. Is having kids that turn out well the basis of our blessedness, or is there something else? What makes a woman blessed? Is there hope for a woman's happiness? Is there hope for a mother's happiness that goes beyond motherhood? And that's the question that Jesus is going to answer in verse 28. And he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now the NIV translation here I do not think is perfect. And I feel bad because I'm, I'm always ragging on the NIV, and I actually like the NIV. I think it's a pretty good translation, but I, I rag on it a lot. And so I, I think here that the translation is not perfect. Uh, literally in the Greek it says, and he replied, manown makarioi. Makarioi means happy or blessed. And manown is a corrective term in this, in this context. It, it really means yes, but. Yes, that's true as far as it goes, but that's not the full answer. There's more to it than just that. And so when my, when my second son, who's five, comes to me and he says, Dad, I know where babies come from. And I say, uh-oh, okay. How? Oh, where? And he says, 
God puts them in mommy's tummy. I, if I were to reply in Greek, I would say, manown. Yes, but there's a little more to it than that, right? That's not the whole answer. And that's what Jesus is saying to this woman. He agrees with her. Yes, that's true. It would be a lie to deny it. His mother is blessed. When Gabriel came to Mary, he said, he said blessed are you. Highly favor, favored among women. She is absolutely blessed to have Jesus as her son. There's no denying it. But Jesus is also correcting this woman. and He's saying that the blessing of having a child grow up well is not the highest blessing. There is a greater blessing available. And so a better translation of this verse would be, And Jesus replied, Yes, but more blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Yes, but more blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. A far greater blessing than just having good kids is to hear the word of God and obey it. Now some of you are kind of tempted to tune me out right now because that sounds like the traditional church answer to everything, right? Like, okay, how do I balance my finances? What do I do here? And the the answer is always, oh, read the Bible and obey it. That's how you're happy. That's how you're blessed. And so I would reply to you, Manown, yes, but. Yes, it is true that if you read the Bible and obey it, you will be blessed. But I don't think that's exactly what Jesus has in mind here. I think the word of God that Jesus is referring to in this context specifically is the word of God about himself, the gospel. He's he's referring to himself, the good news about Jesus. And to see this, we just have to look a little bit in the larger context of this passage. And if you go back to chapter 10, you don't have to turn there, but in chapter 10, Jesus sent out his 72 disciples on a mission trip. If you didn't know, he had more than just 12. 12 were the leaders, but he had more disciples than that. So he sends out these 72 disciples. They go out. They're telling people about Jesus. They're preaching the good news. They're, they're healing the sick. They're casting out demons. They come back, and they are fired up because they were able to cast out demons. And they say, Jesus, the demons obey us. It's like we have superpowers, man. It's like we're X-Men or something. This is awesome. And Jesus, Jesus basically replies, Yes, that's a good thing, but you are even more blessed because you belong to God. You're part of God's kingdom. Is it good that you have power over demons? Sure. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. You were doing some good, some good ministry out there, but it's even more important. It's even, you have an even greater cause to rejoice because you belong to God. And then right after that, they go to the home of Mary and Martha at the end of chapter 10. And at this point, I don't think they know Mary and Martha very well. I think it's probably, in Scripture at least, it's the first time recorded that they actually go and visit Mary and Martha. So Jesus shows up. He's got a lot of disciples. We don't know how many he brings. And of course, Martha freaks out, and she's trying to prepare this meal. And, And it's natural because she's a woman in this society. Being a host is part of your identity. And so she's working very hard to get this huge, elaborate feast prepared. But Mary is just sitting there listening to Jesus tell her, the good news about himself. He's preaching the gospel. And so at one point, Martha gets so frustrated, she comes up to Jesus and she says, Jesus, tell Mary to get back here and start helping me host. That's how we women get our identity. That's our role in this society. And Jesus responds by saying, Martha, only one thing is needed right now. And Mary has chosen what is better. He says, yes, on one hand, yes, it is a good thing to host people. And to bless people with your hospitality, that is a blessing, that is a good thing. But 
An even greater blessing is hearing the good news about me and responding to it. And so right now, in this context, that is all that matters. And Mary has chosen what is better. And he's basically saying, Martha, if you understood the blessing that I'm offering you right now, you'd just bring some water and some bread and you'd sit down and you'd listen to what Mary's listening to because that would be all that matters to you. Then right after that, in chapter 11, Jesus begins to preach on, teach on prayer. And he says, hey, which of you, if your son asked you for some bread, you'd give him, you'd give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, you'd give him a snake or a scorpion? And people are like, what do you do this weird, Jesus? Basically saying, which of you fathers, if your son asked you for a good thing, you'd give him a bad thing? And they're like, no, none of us. Of course we want to bless our kids. And he says, okay, so yes, you sinful fathers, you want to bless your kids. Now think how much more your heavenly father wants to bless you. Yes, it's true that humans want to bless their own children. Think how much more a perfect heavenly father wants to bless his kids. And then finally, in the section right before our section today, he begins to talk about demons. And he begins to say that these people had come to him to get these demons cast out. And he cast out the demons, but instead of following him, instead of surrendering their lives to him and trusting in him for salvation, these people just went back to their ordinary lives. And so these demons, the demon that left came back with even more demons, and their final situation was even worse than the beginning. And Jesus says, were they blessed? Well, yeah, to some extent they were blessed because they, they had these demons cast out of them. But ultimately, they missed the greater blessing. They missed the eternal life, the eternal blessing of Jesus. And so throughout this whole section, Luke is comparing small blessings to bigger ones. That's why I just went on this long tangent. I hope you understood. Small blessings to big ones. The blessing of having power over demons versus the blessing of belonging to God. The blessing of hosting a meal versus the blessing of hearing and listening to Jesus. The blessing of having that, that human fathers give their children versus the blessing that our heavenly father gives his children. And the blessing of being delivered of a demon versus the blessing of belonging to Jesus, trusting in him. And so it's in this context then that this woman comes to Jesus and Jesus says to her, yes, having children that turn out well is a blessing. And that is the first point in your notes. Children that turn out well, that is a blessing. Absolutely, Jesus is not denying it. A woman is blessed when her children turn out well. But, but, there is a far greater blessing available. A far greater blessing, and that is belonging to Christ. That's the second point on your notes. Belonging to Christ. Jesus says, hearing the word of God about me and obeying it by putting your trust in me brings eternal blessings. The joy of knowing me and having my spirit inside of you and the peace of trusting me with your burdens and your anxieties and being able to place your kids and their choices in my hands and not worry about them and the confidence of spending eternity with me, those are far greater blessings than just raising good kids. So, should we care how our kids turn out? Absolutely. Absolutely. I care very much. We do everything in our power to influence our children while they are young, and even while they're adults. While they're young, our influence is directive. We tell them what to do. When our children become young adults, 
then our influence will become indirect and we will pray for them and encourage them. But in the midst of that, our greatest joy must come from belonging to Jesus. If our primary source of joy and meaning comes from our children and from their success, then we have turned them into idols. And they cannot bear the weight of that. If your children are your idols, they will inevitably disappoint you and they will probably resent you for making them your idol. They cannot bear that weight. They were not intended to by God. But if our greatest joy comes from belonging to Jesus, from being His children, then nothing can take away our blessedness. And that is how a woman and a mother and a man and a father is blessed in God's kingdom. Let's pray.